Blog Talk Radio. If you've ever wondered, why do we still have a factory model of classroom education? If you've ever wondered, why do we make kids learn things at the same pace as each other in grade levels? If you've ever wondered, how are we supposed to meet the needs of each student, like our education standards ask us to, while making them learn in ways that are not matched up to human development? If you've ever wondered these things, you might be a Montessorian. Montessorian, here's the Merriam-Webster definition. Huh. Individual instruction. I really didn't know anything about Montessori. I had a bachelor's degree and a postgraduate elementary teaching credential, and I really didn't know anything about Montessori education. Then I had my first son. When he was preschool age, someone I knew said, oh, you should get him into a Montessori preschool. And I said, oh, no, I don't want a religious school. And this person laughed and said, "Uh, no, it's not a religion. Check it out. So I did. This was before Google. Montessori method stresses the development of a child's own initiative. Huh, sounds good, right? Why did I not hear about this in my teacher credential program? So I got my son in to a Montessori preschool. It was expensive. Worth it, but expensive. I was a second grade teacher at the time. And I would go visit my son's Montessori preschool, and I would stand there jaw-dropped, watching all of these three-, four-, and five-year-olds totally concentrated and engaged in whatever they were doing. It was quiet, hushed. The first time I went to visit, I ran over to my son and said, Oh, my gosh, that's so good! Adults came running from the corners, shushing me, pushing me back to the doorway where I could stand and watch. That's it, just watch. I had committed the gravest of errors. I had interrupted children as they were learning to experience concentration. They were learning how to concentrate, and the environment was set up so they could practice it. I couldn't believe the way this method was affecting my son. Through flexible seating, choice of activity, self-pacing, my son was given the opportunity as a three-year-old to develop his executive functioning skills. Can you imagine how giving all children this kind of executive functioning practice would affect mental health statistics? What if a child's natural state is to love learning? And if a child's not loving learning, there's not something wrong with the child, there's something wrong with the learning environment. This is what I should be doing in my second grade classroom, I thought. Why didn't I learn how to do this in my teacher credential program? How do I get this? And then I went back to my school. Someone told me that we had public elementary Montessori classrooms in my school district. What? I've been teaching here for years. Why have I never heard of this? I asked an administrator about our public elementary Montessori classrooms. Oh, you don't want to do that. Once you get in, you'll never get out. That sounds scary. Is it a cult? Who was Montessori? Maria Montessori. First female doctor in Italy. That's cool, not a cult. (laughs) 
she based her education methodology on human development, like let's teach kids things when they're most sensitive to learning them. Second language acquisition, easiest to learn implicitly before the age of 10. She was nominated three times for a Nobel Peace Prize. Okay, that is cool. I'll start a Murray cult. <laughs> President Woodrow Wilson thought about making Montessori education, our national public education pedagogy back in the early 1900s, but a guy named Kilpatrick at the Teachers College dissed it, so she went back to Europe. A lot of private Montessori schools opened here, though. Maybe it seems like a cult because it's named after a person? Nobody accuses me of being in the Fahrenheit cult when I tell the temperature outside, or being in the Tupperware cult, or in the Ferris Wheelian cult. Here are some other things that are named after a person and we don't think it's a cult. I wouldn't mind having a national public education methodology, pedagogy, based on human development, even if it was named after a person. So I said, if there's ever an opening in our district's public elementary Montessori classrooms, keep me in mind. And then I went back to trying to steal things from my son's Montessori preschool to implement in my second grade classroom. <laughs> things like decluttering the environment and making everything accessible to the students so they could be independent and practice their executive functioning skills. Things like checklists to allow students to self-monitor and self-pace and self-reflect. Things like record-keeping charts so I could try to individualize instruction for my students. Not just differentiate, but individualize. Differentiation is better than just making everyone do the same thing at the same time, whether it's too hard or too easy, but individualization is the best. You feel like doing math first thing in the morning? Go for it. You, you want to practice math facts with your big buddy? Sure. You're a first grader and ready and want to learn long division? Okay. And you get to stand up and stretch and get a drink whenever you want. You get to practice your self-regulation skills. So I was teaching second grade, trying to differentiate instruction for my students, feeling like I was reinventing the wheel. See, every year, my students came to me in second grade with reading and math levels that ranged from pre-K to eighth grade. And I was given second grade materials. So I was constantly begging and borrowing and stealing other grade-level materials to try to meet my students' needs. Every teacher I knew was doing this. That's why we get into this job. We want to meet our students' individual needs. Meet individual needs. That's what our state and national education standards ask us to do. So teachers do everything they can to try to do that, including making their own materials on their own time and dime buying materials from each other, stealing things from their son's Montessori preschool. <laughs> Good public school teachers are doing everything they can to try to meet their students' individual needs. What would it be like if our teacher credential programs actually gave us those tools? See, teachers have to have, I had to have, behavior programs and class management strategies to try to control kids who are doing work that's either too easy or too hard. That's what I learned in my traditional teacher education program, how to make a classroom of kids do the same thing at the same time. Oh, and how to write lesson plans. We did a lot of that too, but I'll come back to that in a minute. So years later, when my boys were 10 and 12, I got a call. You still interested in teaching in one of our public elementary Montessori classrooms? Um, yeah. I started training that summer. My friend was driving me, and on the way he said, so what's up with this? 
follow the child thing in Montessori? And I said, I don't know. <laughs> I came out of that two-year Montessori teacher credential program like, <gasps> I was like, this solved all of our problems in public education. We all know that children master skills within an age range, not at an age. When you take your child to the pediatrician, they give you age ranges to give you an idea of when your kids should master stuff. So why do we do it differently at school? We all know that children learn certain things more easily at certain times. We could all have bilingual kids if we taught second languages in the early years. But no, we wait until high school. Wouldn't it be nice if our public education system was set up based on human development? That, I learned, is what Montessori education is. It's a methodology, a pedagogy of education that is based on how humans learn. It is not a system for training young children emphasizing free physical activity. And it is not practical play. I was beginning to understand why I really didn't know anything about Montessori education before. How about this definition? So I came out of my Montessori teacher credential program and began shaking the shoulders of everyone that I knew. Why aren't we doing this in public education? And then I calmed down, kind of. And I began an inquiry into why we aren't doing this for every student and every teacher in public education. That's right, this is about the students, but it is also about the teachers. In my Montessori teacher credential program, I was given the tools and training I need to be able to individualize education for my students and training in how to allow the students to self-monitor and self-pace and self-reflect so they own their own education. As a public Montessori teacher, I have a multi-age classroom, and I have my students for three years. And I have a range of hands-on materials in every academic area that meets skill levels from pre-K to eighth grade. So my students don't have to wait until the next grade level if they're ready to learn something. I have all of these tools, and the teacher next door to me doesn't. That is not fair for the students and for the teachers. This is an equity issue. Union people, can we get on this, please? And how would being in a multi-age classroom affect students' understandings and compassion for diversity? Age is a type of diversity, too, right? I had been a public school teacher for a decade. And then I went to a Montessori teacher credential program, and it changed my life. My life's mission is now to increase free public access to this methodology because it works for students and for teachers. And I have gotten every kind of response. Oh, Montessori, that's where you just let the kids do whatever they want. Uh, no. Montessori, that's an alternative form of education. It's not right for all kids. Alternative? How is individualization not right for anyone? Oh, we can't promote a program. A program? It's not a program. It's a methodology, a pedagogy of education based on human development. Do you know how much money school districts could save just in curriculum adoptions alone if we went all Montessori? The curriculum is the standards. 
Montessori is the methodology that allows students to meet those standards. And that's when I realized, people just don't know. Like me, before, people just don't have accurate information about this. So back to those lesson plans. That was all we did in my traditional teacher education program, right? Lesson plans. But what if we already knew how children learn concepts? That children learn best through hands-on materials moving from concrete to abstract understanding. But not just any hands-on materials. You have to do it right. In math, you have to use a, a manipulative or a hands-on material consistently over a long period of time. And you have to use the material to move the student from concrete to abstract understanding. And don't use teddy bear counters and randomly colored things. It messes them up. And you have to explicitly explain the relationship between the material and the concept to the student. The lesson plans for introducing students to concepts are already written. I got them in my Montessori teacher credential program. I didn't have to rewrite and reinvent everything. I give the lesson to the student. And the student is the one who uses the material and repeats and explores alone and with peers until the concept is mastered. These students are making the transition from distributive division to group division. I can't lesson plan when that's going to happen. It's different for each student. That, I learned, is what follow the child means in Montessori. I knew that. <laughs> the public education world is starting to take note of Montessori education. There's a school district in South Carolina that has gone all Montessori. A five-year study of their program has shown that this methodology bridges the achievement gap for low-income and minority students. Another study of Montessori middle school students reported that they had significantly higher intrinsic motivation while doing schoolwork than their traditional school peers. And I could go on. This should be public education. We should be training our teachers this way. We already have an infrastructure for public education set up in this country. We don't need to reinvent the wheel. Let's just train our teachers this way. Why should only people with money or who win a lottery be able to get this? I became a teacher because I want to facilitate children's learning. I went through two teacher education programs. One of them gave me the tools and the training that I need to do that. If you know which one, you might be a Montessorian. Thank you. Welcome to Raising Independent Thinkers. This show is a space for families who are homeschooling or thinking about homeschooling. We'll explore alternative teaching methods, federal and state homeschooling laws, and most importantly, this show is a platform where families can inspire one another on how to raise independent thinkers. I'm your host, Bathsheba Omani, Montessori educator, homeschooling consultant, owner of Homeschool Guide, LLC, and mother of two. Let's get started.
Good evening, everyone. Um, Thanks for tuning in. Today is Sunday, November the 8th, 2020, and this is the Raising Independent Thinkers Show. I'm your host, Bathsheba, along with um, Akeem L., um, who's hosting hosting with me of the Truth Tuesday show on Hindsight Radio. Um, Thank you, Akeem, for joining me. You're welcome. Always um, a pleasure. I'm very excited because Akeem got some new equipment, and um, we are trying it out. He got some new microphones and a fancy um, board here. So there's a whole bunch of gadgets and things. So it's very exciting. Um, so I hope everyone had a great weekend. Um, how are you doing, Akeem? I'm doing great. Everything's fine. Um, okay. I'm just hoping everybody can hear us. <laughs> but we're recording it, but I'm sure they can hear us. Okay, I'm glad we're recording. <laughs> right. Um, so I'm always grateful, um, and I have to say that I have felt a sense of um, relief in this election seemingly being over. Um, although Akina pointed out that the president-elect, which is Joe Biden, doesn't get sworn in until Inauguration Day, which is not until January. Um, Well, he doesn't get picked actually as president through the Electoral College actually in December. That's how it really works. Like, the people voted. You know, like, when the news is saying, oh, he's been elected, that's like a premature statement. And because people don't really know how this thing works, the Electoral College can still pick Trump if they wanted to. Right, right. <laughs> so let's see. I, it's going to be really interesting uh, this week, like because you know Trump doesn't seem like he's going to concede, but mm-hmm. who cares? I don't care which one. Whoever's in there, that's I, it, it, none of those presidents ever did anything for me specifically. <laughs> so I take care of my own house, mm-hmm. my own business. So I don't depend on uh, these guys are doing it, especially not you know some my guy. And they've never done anything for us anyway, so whatever. Well, you know, I respect your opinion, um, mm-hmm. and you know I'm not political. Right. Um, I do see a lot of propaganda with the system of government, but I think I'm always, I'll always be optimistic mm-hmm. in hopes that things will get better. Oh, things you will know, get better because I decide them to get better for my house. That's not, it's not because it's going to, what they do. Right. It's what I do. Right. So things will get better. Well, things are better now. Like, you know. Well, yeah, I'm grateful. I'm grateful that I woke up this morning. Mm -hmm. I'm grateful, you know, I'm walking and talking. Um, We were able to go on a nice walk this morning. Yeah. It's a beautiful day here in North Carolina. Yeah. So I am grateful for that. Yeah. Um, so today our topic um, is called what it means to follow the child. And the clip that you heard um, is called You Might Be a Montessorian. The speaker is Katie Wright, who's a public educator. And I liked how she was expressing the differences between the public school um, curriculum and the Montessori curriculum. 
and how the public school bases their theirs on Common Core, and the Montessori bases it on the individual child. Um, and I found it very interesting that she talked about um, that President Wilson, which I, I didn't know this, but President Wilson wanted Montessori education to be a national, um, you know, to be the national education, but some didn't agree. I thought that right. was very interesting. Well, of course, they didn't agree. They had another agenda. And I, I wonder that, you know, the reason why they didn't agree, and I'm thinking maybe because they didn't want the American um, education system to be named after one person. Right. You know. Well, the, so, isn't Montessori, that's a woman, right? Right. Well, maybe that's it. Right. That could be it. Yeah, that could be it, too. That's it. Um, But she sounded very passionate, you know, about talking about Montessori, which most Montessorians do. Um, So I really enjoyed that clip. So I thought about doing this topic because um, I've learned over the years the importance of understanding child development when dealing with raising children. Um, and over the past year, I've been instructing and consulting teachers in an online training program, um, much like she talked about um, the, the, much, much like she talked about the Montessori teacher certification program. Um, and I've noticed that there's this need with parents as well as some teachers to make sure that our child is not falling behind. Um, even if that means to constantly go from one lesson to the next lesson to the next lesson. Um, and that, that's not learning. You know, a lot of te- adults feel like their child, you know, they want their child to, to make sure that they're on track and they're not thinking about what they're actually learning. They're not thinking right. about if they're even mastering what they're learning. Right. They just want them to keep going. Well, I mean, most well, that's because parents are indoctrinated to believe that if this kid is this age, he should be here. In this, right. And and who and who set that standard in the first place? Right. Right. So, right. Um, a lot of these things that parents want is based off of bad information. Right. So, yeah, and I thought it was interesting when she mentioned um, how pediatricians give us an age range of mm-hmm. when certain developmental milestones happen. And that's similar to Montessori education. Um, we usually go by like a three-year cycle. So if you're a teacher, you have children for three years. It's not just, you know, first grade, second grade, third grade. It, you have the children for three years. Right. And, um, that so that's Montessori keeps a child. You keep that one child for three years. Right. Okay. Right. And that way, um, children don't feel rushed to have to learn something. So right. if they need extra time in learning a certain topic, then it's okay. That way they can master the skill and then right. move on. Right. So I think many of us don't look at what our children are actually doing, um, what they're really interested in. And the speaker talked a little bit about the term follow the child, 
And mm-hmm. I wanted to expand on that a little bit. Okay. So would he follow the child around the room? What? <laughs> so that's what I that's what I thought. You know, like um twenty years ago when I started teaching, um, I taught in New York and I taught as an assistant teacher and um well, I was an assistant teacher for three years, and I remember the lead teacher telling me to make sure that I'm following follow the child. Right. And I thought she meant just, you know, I was teaching preschool, young, young children. I thought she meant just follow the children around, and that's what I did. But, um, you know, that's not what she meant. Follow the child means watching the children closely and meeting their developmental needs and giving them what they need when they need it. Um, And the phrase actually originates from Maria Montessori, who's an Italian educator. Um, She was also a scientist, and she was a philosopher, and she was the first scientist in Italy. Um, And she created her method and theory back in the early 1900s. So one of her greatest contributions was to observe the children and when she observed them she discovered their true characteristics and true nature and she built materials based on that and she created opportunities using her observation um, based on the needs of the children so I have a few quotes that I um, that I looked up And this one, it says, quote, the goal of education should be to activate the child's own natural desire to learn, Um, which I I believe that's true. I'm going to read it again. The goal of education should be to activate the child's own natural desire to learn. And I think so many children don't have that desire to learn because they're not learning based on their interests. They're just learning because they feel like they have to do it. Exactly. I mean, that's like with anybody. If you're wired to do something you really don't want to do, you're not going to do it with your wholeheartedly. Right. Right, right. I know I did. That didn't work for me with anything, even like with church. I didn't like it. I I wanted to go sleep more than I wanted to learn. Right. Right. Um, And, you know, when you're a kid, like you, it's so disappointing when you're, when you find yourself so interested in something and then you you can't really learn it or you don't have the opportunities to learn it. Right. So, so many parents say, you know, oh, you know, they'll figure it out. And I've said that before, too. Like, when my child is trying to learn something, I'll say, oh, she'll figure it out. But how are they going to figure it out when they don't have opportunities? Like, when they don't have resources or opportunities to practice what they're learning. So Montessori also said, um, quote, follow the child. They will show you what they need to do what they need to develop in themselves, and what area they need to be challenged in. And, you know, when I, re- when I hear that, I'm thinking 
it's absolutely true. <laughs> you know, they, they will show us what they need. They will show us what they're interested in as long as we can watch and as long as we're seeing what they're doing and what they're interested in doing. And I feel that following the strict, rigid curriculum is not as important as following the needs of the child. Right. So um, at home, um, for, you know, families who are homeschooling, I think that finding opportunities to support their needs are very important. So, for example, if you're noticing your kid is very active and they're running around, they're jumping, um, they just can't seem to stop moving their bodies, most likely they are in need um, of movement. You know, they're in the stage of movement, especially for young children. (laughs) Right. Um, And as parents, we need to provide opportunities where they can move. Um, And that might mean like a trip to the park, you know, climbing, finding things to climb safely, kicking a ball, throwing a ball, maybe balancing on a balance beam, carrying heavy objects, helping bringing in the groceries. Um, I know I've seen you with your grandson. You're always taking him to the park. Yeah. Sometimes I don't even know if that's enough, but he's always always running around. Constantly, he's he's wanting uh, attention, mm-hmm. and he can't sit sit still. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and it's you know I had a um, child in my classroom years ago, and they couldn't stop moving. Um, and it's I mean it's actually normal for a child to need to move their body. Mm-hmm. But even while he was working, he still was like jumping up and down in his chair. So I was able to get him um, a ball. It was like one of those um, bouncy seats. That you, it, it was like a, a chair, but it had a ball attached to it, and they can kind of bounce on it. Oh. And he, was, he would bounce on it while he was working because he just needed that movement. And yeah. they actually have them for adults too. Right. I, yeah. I, that's a good idea because uh, I think with – teachers are doing is they are so into the idea of having control over the child Mm -hmm. that they don't look into the needs of the child. You know, yeah, you want this child to sit still, but you got to remember he's young and the teaching school environments really are not a natural environment for a child to learn the way they got it set up in those schools. Right. Uh, Really learning is supposed to be out there, you know, looking and exploring. Right. Um, but the way they have it, come sit down, listen to the teacher. And the schools take pride in, I know teachers at least, take pride in having control over the child. Now, I remember, uh, I know a teacher, and they wanted all of their children to go to that specific teacher because she was straight, because that teacher can have control right. of the child. Parents actually said, yeah, I, I want my child to be with you because I know you can, you'll keep him in line. You know, no other teacher here can do that. And and that was the highlight of the child's education, being under, right. having, being subdued and being under being control. Controlled, it right. wasn't about learning. It was about being controlled. Being controlled. Right, right. And parents, so I don't think parents really, and that's all 
most parents want to. They want to be able to control the child, sit still, do what I say. It's really not about really teaching the child to learn something meaningful. Right. Other than and that, that control, like, affects us in mm-hmm. adulthood. Well, we do that in our relationships. Right. We, you know, if you constantly try to control a child, boy or girl, that's what they're going to do in their relationship. Right, right. They're going to follow that example. Why are you not listening to me? Right. (laughs) Or even at work. Right. You get bosses like that, you know. Right. Or we get so used to this idea of someone telling us what to do. We we have, we become um, like dependent on someone telling us what to do. We don't have right. any ideas for ourselves. Well, you know, we have to work for someone. Right. So, yeah. That's I, why most people who are successful after school is people who, like, successful outside of the habit of the job are mm-hmm. people who didn't really do well in the discipline area mm-hmm. of school. Mm-hmm. I stayed in the dean's office. Did you? <laughs> yeah, like in... Um, yeah, I think you told me that school. before. It was always something going on. Why? Um, what was the reason? Like, school didn't interest me. I was okay. I, I could listen to the teacher for about thirty seconds, and my mind was somewhere else, paying attention to something that I thought was more interesting. Right. And I thought something was wrong with me. Like I can't concentrate. I'm. I'm and I really wanted to concentrate. I'm going to concentrate, and I'm listening. And then next thing you know, my mind just is already wandered oh. off. And then by the time I come back, I miss something. Right, right. my mind was, oh, I could be doing so much more, like fantasizing about something. But I, I and I think that's the natural way a child is, is mm-hmm. to explore in the mind, just be more creative. School right. takes creativity away from traditional school does, mm-hmm. from the child. And I know... Montessori works because my youngest son went to Montessori school as a very young from like I think around two years old till he went to normal school. Yeah, I remember you telling me that. And out of all of the boys, he was the most, he always had big grades mm-hmm. from that. And he was in that for a small period of time. Right. Whereas the other one, like, you know, Xavier, he put him to a regular day kid and he went into school and he mm-hmm. always had a harder time with, 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 with his classes. Right. He could pass them, but he had to, you know, work. You know, Javon was in honors classes and that, and that all came from early exposure to a different type of education. Right, right. Well, you were saying you felt like um, you could learn, you know, you could learn so much more and you probably could have because they they weren't really um, focusing on what you were interested in, you know, at that time. And I think movement plays a big part of that because it's our innate, um, you know, it's innate for us to be, to want to move. And in public school, I remember going to public school and I felt like we had to sit still for a long period of time, Right. you know, and that's not natural. That's not natural for any child. So, um, so when my son, um, you know, going back to following the child, when my son started becoming interested in voice acting, um, and he started this, like, I would say maybe about three or four years ago, um, you know, I, I know nothing about voice acting, 
and <laughs> I had to do some research. And in researching, um, I found it very interesting. Um, you know, as a kid, when he was younger, um, his strength was always in reading. Mm-hmm. And he has cerebral palsy and has this limitation of um, his motor development. But I've always tried to focus on his strength. So his strength was in reading. He used to read a lot. Mm-hmm. And he still does. Um, and with voice acting, I found that um, there's a lot of skills that needs to be worked on, on um, becoming a voice actor. And some of those skills are articulation, clarity, mm-hmm. controlling your voice, being confident, um, just being able to read, like cold reading, mm-hmm. and um, also listening to other people reading, which he does a lot of. He, he, lo- he loves listening to those audio stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm trying to find a good speech course for him. That way, um, you know, it'll build his confidence a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying all of this because, you know, when we find an interest, when we find our children are interested in something, we need to, if we don't know about it, we need to um, research it mm-hmm. and find those opportunities so that um, they can master that skill. Right. Um, yeah. Like your voice acting, it's just not talking. You know, you know how your voice sounds. Um you're really animating a story through just without someone seeing you. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what he's interested in. And I think a lot of parents, some parents do good in keeping up with their children's interests, mm-hmm. but when it comes to money right, and time, right, a lot of parents, a lot of things is more of the time than the money. Right. You know, just getting up and doing you know, taking a child, you know, to what they want, right. you know. And, you know, I think, you know, as parents, we make time for a lot of different things. <laughs> and yeah. I think one of those things should be our children. And I know um, like when I watch you with your kids, I see that you you make the effort to make time, mm-hmm. you know, to do things and go see them and go pick them up and, you know, so seeing that, you know, sometimes we get busy. I know even for myself, like I'm, I teach online during the week and I find myself not, you know, having, not, not making the time like I should, Mm -hmm. but I think it's important that we, that we do try (laughs) to make time. Um, And, you know, ways that we can follow our children and follow their interests is through observation. And that's mm-hmm. one of the things that I learned um, when I took my training and I'm teaching now um, to the teachers that I teach um, online. And, you know, we must pay close attention to what our children are doing, what they're interested in, um, what activities are they naturally drawn to, um, and like my, my son, he also plays a lot of video games and he's on his computer a lot. And <laughs> I'm thinking about this now, like I need to make time to actually sit with him and see exactly what he's doing. 
on the computer. Right. You know, because there might be something that where, you know, he's 20 years old. So there mm-hmm. might be something that he's watching or he's seeing or some videos that he's watching that maybe he could possibly create and he can possibly mm-hmm. make money off of. And if I'm not um, able to kind of support him that way, if I'm not able to see what he's doing, I can't support him. No. So, um, and we should take into account where our children is developmentally instead of imposing our ideas on what you think your child should be focusing on. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what a lot um you know, that's what a lot of our educational system is here in America, our public school system. Um, and some families who are homeschooling, you know, we, we, we think our, we want our children to learn the ideas that we think they should learn. Right. And we'll try to live through our children. Right. <laughs> right. That's true. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. true. Um, so as homeschoolers, um, you have the freedom to give your child more time to really learn a concept or a skill until they master it. And I think that's important too. Like um, sometimes I feel I've always felt when I was in school that I was always rushed into right. um, the next class or the next, the next subject. Lesson, or the they next teacher lesson. got an agenda. She got to get through. Right. Right. You know, and I was never able to really master any of these concepts. That's why I can't remember any of them. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I wasn't given the time to master them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's almost impossible to give all the children the time in public school. Because like you said, they have to follow this certain um, curriculum and they have right. guidelines. Well, I think a child would get it faster if they were doing homeschool because you, you're dealing with one child, not enough, not too many distractions. Mm-hmm. And so that you could take the time just on that one day and they'll get it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and with homeschooling, you know, you could, like, find a curriculum that you like, but you don't have to follow it um, from beginning to end. You can just pick and Mm -hmm. choose what you feel that your child will be interested in. Mm -hmm. So another example that I think of is like when your, your kid starts becoming interested in wanting to buy things. And I think this is the perfect opportunity to teach math concepts. Right. And that can happen as early as three years old because young children, sometimes when they go to the store, they want to buy something. Right. So you can use that opportunity to teach them, you know, a math skill. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's creating real opportunities for them to apply what they're interested in um, and learning from it. There's a lot of things you could do, you know, when you the flexibility you have to teach them math and other skills, just, just regular everyday things. You were talking about something the other day, just cooking. That's math. Yes. You know, yes. ingredients, measuring the ingredients. Mm-hmm. Math, science, language. Mm-hmm. And to be honest with you, a lot of the math that you're using or being taught in school, you're never going to use it again. Like, I don't remember trigonometry. I don't remember advanced algebra equations. Mm-hmm. I don't have, I don't need it. Right. Unless I'm <laughs> trying to be an engineer or something or a pharmacist measuring chemicals to right. put together. 
you know. Yeah, yeah, that's true. A lot of <laughs> a lot of that stuff is unnecessary for the child child to learn. I couldn't unless he's going to a specific field. I could not tell you. Um, you know, my daughter, she, you know, she, when she took her math classes, and um, she's taking her last math class this semester. Mm-hmm. Um, she's graduating in January, but. I unfortunately I couldn't really help her <laughs> because um a lot of those math lessons I don't remember. I Why? Don't remember. Because you're not using it. You only remember what you are repeatedly using on a daily basis. Right. That's it. Right. So and, and I think um what's more practical for her now is teaching her how to balance, you know, her, making sure she's checking her account, making sure she's saving money, making sure she's learning about investing. Right. You know, things like that um, are mm-hmm. more important. And with the Internet the way it is, there's so many programs out there that you can give. Like over the summer, oh, well, during the pandemic, I decided to buy investment lessons. Mm-hmm. From I think it was uh, Black. Oh right, yeah, you did. Something yeah, about that. so she was taking that. She yeah. finished it. You know, it was just a. It as long as she can, get through all the lessons, it was over with. Right. So she could tell you stocks what they do. You know, but she did that. So I think those are important. Just investing in little things like that, little programs like that. I think that, um, is How more did beneficial. She like it? I don't think she really liked. Is like that, but quiet. Hey, you need to learn about this. You might want this later on. So, or maybe you could even start um, whatever she learned. Like, if she was to kind of put it into practice, even if right. it's buying right. a stock for a dollar. You know, I'm not sure. Right. <laughs> but maybe putting it into practice, putting what she learned into practice somehow. That's a good idea. Like they do have brokerage accounts where you get a mock account. It's not a real account, but you get to trade it, mm-hmm. you know. And I have other stuff, like I just bought a course on options trading, so I might get involved in that. I probably will mm-hmm. in learning that. Yeah, I'm still learning about investing myself now, you know, and I'm in my 40s. <laughs> but right. I wish I would have learned this, um, you know, when I was younger. Yeah. It's but it's never too late, you know. But you didn't have anybody to guide you in that direction. Everybody was teaching you to go get a good education and get a good job. Right. So that well, was Well, I was focus. learning geometry. Right. <laughs> Something you're not even And tri- trigonometry. You don't remember anymore. Yeah. <laughs> right. So right. So following um the child means uh, also it means being patient with your child. Mhm. Um being patient when they're trying to learn a new skill right? and when they're trying to master a new skill and not trying to rush them to move to the next step. Um, And it it also means that we need to give up a little bit of our control Mm. and not trying to push. That's big. Yeah. Our children on what we want them to learn. Mm -hmm. Um, And this doesn't have to be a bad thing. And it doesn't mean that, um, we're allowing our children to just do whatever they want to do. You mm-hmm. know, we can, um, 
we can give them freedom within limits. Right. And the limits could be, you know, we we tell them we we tell them what what subjects they need to be working on and then they might be able to choose what topics that right. they want to focus on first, second and third. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean there's different ways that we can give them freedom without allowing them to just do whatever they want to do. Right. Well, put some choices on the table. Yeah. Have them decide between those. And appropriate choices. It's not just like you choose, you know, mm-hmm. you know, but giving them, you know, a few choices that are appropriate and then mm-hmm. letting them choose. Right. Um, because, you know, we, I think we need to embrace that our children are capable of learning for themselves. Yeah. They, well, they come, they're learning when you're not even teaching just by watching you. Right. So they definitely can learn on their own. Right, right. Yeah. So. So. I enjoyed the conversation, and I'm I'm glad that you. Yeah. <laughs> um. You're supporting me um, on this show, and um, I know there's several shows on this platform, and I wanted to list those. Um, but did you have anything else you wanted to talk about about the topic? No, I think we covered it all. Um, Yeah, you can go ahead and announce the other shows that's coming up. Okay. Um, Well, we have several shows um, on this platform. The Bun Bay Show is every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Eastern Standard Time. Yeah, you got to be specific as people. Um, And um, we have Akeem L's Truth Tuesday Show every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Same Eastern Standard Time. The Solomon Temple Show on Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. Um, and Tasia and Jessica's show, Divine Connection, every Thursday at 7 p.m. Mm-hmm. And Akeem L. Jr.'s show on Friday. Is it Friday or Saturday? Friday. It depends Friday. on, you know. Okay. So Friday, Friday at 7 p.m. And I we're all on Eastern Standard Time. Right. Um, also, if you are interested in starting... Um, a homeschool, you're interested in, um, you know, getting your child out of the public school system and you're needing help with that, please check out my website, which is home-schoolguide.com. I also provide individualized early childhood curriculums. Um, So we'll go over what your child is interested in, um, create a schedule and a curriculum based on your child's needs. Um, and it's not a one-fit-all curriculum, but it's really based on your child's needs and interests. So that requires them setting up a consultation with you. Right, right. right. And if you, if you pay for the um, curriculum, it, there's a consultation that is added within that curriculum. So you receive oh. a consultation. Oh, so if they buy you, you have a, where they can talk to you one-on-one about, you know, what they want to do. Right. Um, a lot of, uh, what do you think children are um, feeling with all of this craziness going on? Now, we we thinking adults. But what are they right. learning from all of this stuff that we're dealing with right now? That's a 
good question. You know, that's a good question. Because I know, I, do I can tell you how I feel. Right. You know, there's some days that I feel a little anxious mm-hmm. um, because I don't know what's going to happen. And I'm sure children mm-hmm. are feeling anxious. Um, right. Especially the younger ones and the older ones. You know, mm-hmm. They see everything that's going on. I think sometimes we don't think our children um, can, you know, are seeing, but they see everything. Yes. They see everything. Mm-hmm. So I think this is a time where we need to really focus on their um, their emotions and um, find out how they're feeling. Right. Uh, yeah. I think they need to be informed properly of what's going on. Because mm-hmm. um, a lot of people are taking sides on who they wanted. Uh, some people wanted Trump because they felt like he was rescuing all of these children from pedophiles and all these other things. That might be the case. I don't know. I don't have that information for fact that he's doing all of that, that he is in charge of that. But a lot of people are saying that and other things that they, they're giving Trump credit for. Then uh, some people want to buy it just because they didn't like Trump. Right. right. And all of them, in all of this is one big distraction. That's what I think you need to, Share with your child. Listen, they're playing on the same team. Those are people who got money that you are giving control with. And when they're making decisions, they're not thinking about your house. They're thinking about the interests of the people that they really serve, and that's their friends who pay into their campaigns. That's why, I mean, you're raising money for a campaign. You're getting that from somewhere. So those are the people that they're going to work for the people that gave the money. If you didn't give money to these people, then they're not working for you. And if you're not, when I mean by money, I mean thousands or millions of dollars, not a couple of dollars, five dollars here and ten dollars here. That's the people they're working for. They're not working for the average person. So that's why you got to be, tell them, hey, you know, pay attention to your house. Yeah, I agree what you said about um, informing our children. And, Mm -hmm. It just made me think of this um, this little boy that was in my class many, many, mm-hmm. many years ago um, when I lived in Ohio, actually. And this is when Obama became president. Mm-hmm. And this boy couldn't have been maybe about two <laughs> or three years old. Mm-hmm. And he came to the class and said, Michelle Obama is ugly. Mm. Really? Yeah. Where did he get that from? <laughs> Who do you think he got it from? Of course, his parents. Yes. I mean, and I think, I think it's good to inform our children, but we need to be mindful about what we're saying. Right. You know what they're listening to. Well, that type of parent don't even care. Well, they don't care. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> they they are informing the child how to be a, a racist. Well, I just I was in point. shock. I was. You know, I was in shock. Did you ask him why he thought she was ugly? What makes her ugly? Well, That's what I would have asked. laughed about it. And said, I said, what, you, what makes her ugly? You, you know, show, show me that. Right. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean. Answer. Yeah, but that, that's a good question to ask. What are, what are our children feeling about all that's going on? And mm-hmm. I think it's important for us to ask them that question. Because they are hearing things and they're forming opinions. Mm-hmm. Without you giving it to them, 
So that's why you have to understand what they're thinking. Right. Especially yeah. older um, kids. I mean, mm-hmm. both of my, my kids are young adults, but, you know, they're they're listening to stuff that they see online. And mm-hmm. um, I think it's important that you have family conversations and, mm-hmm. and, and just ask them what, what they're feeling. <laughs> right. So, um, I also provide um, diplomas and transcript services mm-hmm. on my website, and I actually did one two weeks ago. Um, and, you know, it makes me feel really good to be able to be a part of that process. Um, right. So, if you are needing that service, please contact me. Yeah, someone did do that for their children. Someone, he was in a situation where you know, they want to send them a different type of school. So these are, you know, people where their children can't get along with the people in the class or in the schools, they normally want to stick them in these alternative schools that are worse than the regular schools. Mostly, it's pretty much a prison. Right. Um, or schooling is an option. Or, you know, GED programs. Mm-hmm. You know, because right. um, yeah, this this specific um, family had their son was in the GED program, but I'm just uh, you know I if your child is going going through high school for a certain amount of time, then why not get a high school diploma? So right, um, and you can create your own transcript and diploma. And it's just as legit as theirs. Right. Yep. Right. Yep. All right, yeah, I enjoyed this conversation. Yeah, I enjoyed the show. I enjoyed, um, you know, I always enjoy you supporting me on my show. Especially this new equipment is awesome. (laughs) Yeah, it's a lot to operate. I got it pretty much figured out now. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Think so. Okay, well, um, I hope you all have learned something and um I hope you will join me next week, the same day and same time. And have a blessed night. Peace. Good night. Peace.